Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and go to Luke chapter 11. I want to share this uh, topic, a little bit of a unique message today, that um, as I look at chapter 11 of Luke, we see the pages are turning in the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus enters into a dissertation about prayer. After he prays, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We talked about that in the previous time we talked about this passage of Scripture. And there were 12 apostles. One of them said, can you teach us to pray? I want to be in that, I want to be that minority. I want to be in that one of 12 that say, God, I want to learn about prayer. And he gave them uh, an exposition on prayer, an outline, how they remember the person, the Father. Remember the place as heaven. Remember the name to be praised. Remember the program, not getting my will done in heaven, but getting heaven's will done in my life. He tells them that. He said, remember the petition. Prayer is a way in which you get things from God that you need on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. He said, it's God's way of you getting forgiveness of sin. When you do something wrong, fess up. Confess it. Agree with God that you're wrong. How do you do that? You do that in prayer. And then it's a way in which we get God's protection, his providential protection in our life. He said, Lord, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from temptation. And uh, if, if you're not praying, you're playing. If you're not a praying Christian, you're just playing Christian. And you'll never be what God wants you to be. I'll never be what God wants to be if I'm not willing to spend time with the Lord. Now, I think it's good to spend long time with the Lord, but really you ought to spend time with him all day long. Think about him. Have him on your heart. Have his words on your lips. Think about God. Pray all through the day. And I think it's something God wants us to do, and I want to encourage you to do that. And prayer is the key to God giving us his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit. He said, I want to, just like a good father, if a son says, Dad, can I have some bread? He doesn't say, here, chew on a rock. If he says, Lord, uh, Dad, can I have a fish? He goes, yeah, eat the head off a serpent. No. If he, if he asks for uh, something to eat, he, an egg, he doesn't give him a scorpion. Something will hurt him. He said, if you and I as evil fathers who, who, are, who have issues and we're sinners know how to good give gifts to our children, how much more would God the Father want to give you and me the Holy Spirit if we would but ask? So prayer is vital to every aspect of life. Prayer is the way to get peace. Prayer is the way for joy. He said, hitherto, you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you that your joy may be full. It's, it's the way to revival. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then God will bring revival to a nation. It's God's way for us to have peace. Uh, he said, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer. The take your care, make it prayer so you can have the peace that passeth all understanding. Many of us go without peace, without joy, without revival, without the Holy Spirit's help in our lives because we do not pray. Well, Jesus finishes that dissertation in chapter 11, verse number 13. In verse 14, you'll see that the, the, the ratchet or the, 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 the clamp is coming down on Jesus and his disciples. The rest of the book, you'll find that he's under continual torture, aggravation by the religious people of the day, especially the scribes and the Pharisees. He's going to come and he's going to hit them hard at truth. He knows He's God, he's 100% God, he's 100% a man, and he knows what's going on behind their dark eyes. He knows what's going on there. 
and they're coming at him really hard, and you're going to see the attitude, especially when he went to prayer, especially when he called God his father, because every Jewish man knew that if you called your father, your father, the I and the father are one, they knew that there was deity. Uh, he was claiming deity. They would not accept that. By the way, the cults today do not accept that. People oftentimes will not accept that Jesus is God. And you know that you've got something that's not right if they do not accept the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll see it's going to ratchet up. Let's look if we can, please. We're going to just do a little bit of review. We're going to plow through this. If you're a little bit tired today, go to sleep now, okay? Because it'll be all right. Just go and rest, and, and uh, we'll see you at the invitation, okay? And that'll be fine. The rest of us, let's get our Bibles out. Luke chapter 11, and let's look at verse 14, can we please? And as he was casting out his devil, it was dumb. That means there was a man who was deaf and without the ability to speak. And he came to pass that the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. So he did a miracle. He did a miracle. There was a man who couldn't hear and he couldn't speak, and the Lord healed him. And he was, he was, he was that way because of demonic possession. Now, not everyone, uh, sometimes people sensationalize nowadays, especially the exorcisms and things of that nature. I will tell you, and we'll see this in this passage of Scripture, that demonic activity is alive and well today. My personal opinion is that Satan sent the demons of hell, extras of them, extras of them in this time when Jesus was here. Uh, you'll see it coming. To, he's, he was given his hardest hit at that region of the world. There may have been a few somewhere else in the world, but a lot of them were in the Holy Lands at that time because they wanted to complicate the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's still very present today. And by the way, wherever witchcraft is, you want to be somewhere else. Do not mess with a Ouija board. Do not mess with demonic things. And here's what Satan and his imps want someone to come inside of. They are, they're restless outside. They're looking for an inhabitant. And one thing I do know, that the only way they can come into a person is because that person lets them, invites them. The only way you can have Jesus come inside of you is you invite him. And you have to have a, they have to have a willing heart ready to receive them. And boy, don't not be that. I, it's amazing how much demonic activity, Pokemons and trolls and all the things, the Harry Potter series, all that stuff is, don't, don't get into that stuff. That's not cute. That's not funny. That's devilish, demonic, and you want to stay as far away from that as possible. Don't find yourself playing with a stupid Ouija board or some kind of a whacked out satanic thing. Get away from that. Uh, I don't care for the uh, holiday of, uh, of the Halloween. Some of the things that go on there are very satanic. And uh, everyone has difference of opinions about that, but there's just not too many good things about that that really, that really draw me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we live in a world that's made it the second high. People spend more money at uh, Halloween than any other, uh, including Fourth of July, than Christmas. And I think it's something about that that makes me a little bit nervous because of all that it goes into that situation. But he says here, this man who was demon-possessed, he couldn't talk, he couldn't hear, because of the demon had limited his physical abilities, and the Lord relieved him. Look what happened with the religious enemies that he had that day. Verse 15, and some of them said, he casteth out demons or devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. Really, um, this was kind of Beelzebub in a way. Some people say it's the, it's the Lord of the house, it's the Lord of the flies, but really it was the Lord of the outhouse. But it was a reference to Satan. 
And he said, you know why he's doing that? He's using the devil to cast out devils. That was, the, that was their response to this person. You know, sometimes in this world, as far as we get away from God, the more right is wrong and wrong is right. So they hear this guy, couldn't talk, couldn't speak, had a demon possession. He gets out of God. The Lord Jesus reveals, uh, takes him out of there, delivers him. And all they can say, he does that to the devil. It's the Beelzebub. That's how he does that. Boy, they have the most negative thing about that. You think they rejoice and say, praise the Lord. I'm glad the guy can talk. I'm glad he can hear. I'm glad something good's happened. No, instead, they come against him. Look at the next thing. And he takes it and uses a platform. Verse number 16. And others tempting him sought a sign from heaven. Others said, hey, if you're really the Messiah, show us another sign. And, of course, Paul will tell that in 1 Corinthians as well. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself cometh to desolation, where it's brought to desolation, and the house divided against itself falls. He just logically tells them, Look, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't use this. If Satan be divided against himself, how shall the kingdom stand? Because he, ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? So if you guys do some exorcisms, how do you do it? Therefore shall, ye be, shall they be your judges, and the demons will judge you. Verse number 20. But if I be the, with the finger of God, cast out devils, um, no doubt the kingdom of God is among you. He said, if, if I'm doing this by the power of God, then what you have in front of you is God in the flesh. And, of course, that's what he's telling them. Verse number 21. Follow along with me. Luke 11. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. And the strong man is reference to Satan here. And when the stronger than he is come upon him and overcometh him, he taketh from him all the armor wherein he trusted and divideth the spoils. And, of course, he's saying Satan is a strong man, but there's someone stronger than him. Who is that? Jesus Christ, and he will spoil him. Satan is a defeated foe as we speak. And, by the way, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time talking to the devil. I talk to the Lord. <laughs> And I have to acknowledge him as he, he is real, but I don't have to be afraid of him because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And he said, a greater than, than the strong man cometh over him and takes care of him. And I'm glad we can read the last book of the Bible and find out God wins. Huh? Satan knows his destiny, but he is trying to take as many people to hell in the process and trying to get as much glory from God robbed through Christians who accept Jesus Christ and keep from honoring him as they should. Let's look at the next one if we can, please. The Bible tells us in verse number 23, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. He said, you're going to have to draw the line. Either you're helping the Lord or you're against the Lord. Scattereth sends people away. And, of course, he was referencing the religious leaders of the day. He said, if you're against me, if you're not for me, you're against me. By the way, all of us, we're, we're with God. You know, the Bible says we're laborers together with God. And the Bible says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. He said, he that reapeth receiveth wages. Oftentimes, God is talking about getting others the gospel as receiving, is, is reaping uh, and, and working with the Lord of the harvest. And so some of us in this room, we're saved by the grace of God, but we have no interest in helping the Lord of the harvest bring other people in. We, we don't, our giving doesn't show that. Our attitudes don't show that. Our activities don't show that. Some of us, we couldn't find a gospel track in our possession if our life depended upon it. Because we're not interested. 
He said, if you're not with me, you're going to be against me. Let's work together to bring other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Pastor, you just want more people in this church? That's the farthest thing from my mind. I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. He wants everybody. He is not willing that any should perish. And people who are committed to the Lord are not going to scatter. You know what will scatter? You know what will hurt people, hurt the cause of Christ? When I live worldly. When I got an issue with other brothers and I talk about them, when I get on Facebook and air out all kinds of stupid stuff, that's what really divides, that's what scatters. Uh, Mahat Gandhi went back to India and he observed all that he had observed in America. And he said, you know, America is good and great because, I, he, I don't know if he said or someone else said something about it's, it's good because it's great because it's good and it loves the Bible. But he said, to, he said to someone else in India, he goes, having studied Christianity, I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. What a sad indictment. Now, he'll have nothing to stand on when he stands before God, but I wouldn't want anyone to use me or you as an excuse of why they wouldn't accept Jesus. But we're the only Bible this careless world reads. We're the sinner's gospel. We're the scoffer's creed. We're the Lord's last message, given in deed and word. What if a type is crooked in my life? What if the print is blurred? They can't really see Jesus in me. What if our hands are busy doing other things than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our, 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 our actions are doing of things this life would spurn? How can we hope to help him and gather people for his return? Listen, all of us have to understand that we, either, we need to draw the line. It was Joshua that said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Are you with me or are you against me? If you're not with me, you're, you're used of Satan to scatter people. But God is a God of gathering. He's the Lord of the harvest, and he wants people to come to know him. And every one of us had that responsibility to bring someone to the Lord. And may you start with prayer. Start praying for the lost. Prayer changes things. It changes me. changes you. Pray for your loved ones. Pray that God would use you to bring someone to the gospel of Christ. Invite someone to church where they can know they can hear the word of God. Here as we go through, he said, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not working with me, you're, you're used adversely to scatter and run people away from Christ when you should be bringing them to the Lord. Let's continue in this passage of Scripture, and we'll look, if we can, please, in verse 24. An unclean spirit is gone out of a man. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. And he saith, I will return to my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. He's kind of talking here a little bit about the principle of replacement. He said, he said you know, and he's talking, I think, I think symbolically he's talking about the religion, but he's also talking about a very important principle that you need to understand. As you grow in your Christian life, there'll become seasons of time when God will speak to you about a particular thing that you need to empty out of your proverbial house, your body. Some music, some movies, pornography, gambling. There'll be things that you know that God's uh, social media. I talked to a young man this week. He said, you know, Pastor, I think I'm going to go on a social media fast until youth conference. I think that's a good idea. And so that when I come to youth conference, I'll be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I can tell that affects me adversely. Okay? He takes that away. You know what's going to happen? He's got to fill it with something else. 
If you get rid of some nasty, wrong things that are in your life, you better fill it with some good stuff. If you leave it empty, then that spirit's going to come back at you and it'll come back with seven more spirits, the Bible tells us, more wicked than himself and really complicate things. It's a principle of replacement. You put off, the Bible says you put off the old man, and then you don't put on the new man right away. You've got to re- be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've got to be renewed and think about those things. And here he says, he, he says Satan, the, the, the evil spirits, they come into willing hearts, but they're looking, they're, they're restless out there until they get an inhabitant. Even when the Lord Jesus sent out, remember the man that was a maniac of Gadara? And he said, you know what? If you're going to send us out, don't send us out. Just out in space. No, we don't want to be there. How about the pigs? Can we go in the pigs? Let's go someplace so we can inhabit something. You know, the Bible's teaching there that they want to inhabit. They're restless. And I don't, I'm not here to, to magnify or, or mystify a spiritual being, but it's a real. The satanic work is being done even as we speak. He is the prince and power of the world. And I don't know if devil has anywhere near First Baptist Church of Hammond or Hammond at the end of the day, but his imps are here. His demons are here. And they want to stir up things. They want to cause distraction in church. They want to keep you distracted. They want to keep me from obeying the Lord, giving glory to the Lord. They want our minds to be thinking about something else when we're supposed to be thinking about God. He wants to keep people that are unsaved, unsaved. People that are going to hell, he wants to keep you going to hell. If you're here this morning, you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. God doesn't want that. He wants you to have eternal life with him. But he's a very work. He's the prince and power of the air. He's all over. And uh, his imps are there, he said, but they're oftentimes looking to inhabit. It's a principle of replacement. If you get rid of something wrong, you better replace it with something godly. Don't leave your house empty. That's kind of the, the, the teaching there. Let's continue on if we can, please. Verse 27. And it came to pass, he spake these things. A certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps that, gave, that, has, uh, that thou hast sucked. Here's, here it is, the first reference of someone worshiping Mary in the Bible. I stood yesterday at the porch of someone, and they said, oh, I make all my prayers and many of my prayers to Mary. My grandson tells me I should pray to Jesus, but I like praying to Mary. Let me just tell you something. Uh, this is the first time, and as they listened to Jesus, one lady just spoke out, out of the crowd, says, oh, blessed is the woman who birthed you. Blessed is the woman who nursed you. And, you know, uh, Mary was used of God but she is never to be worshipped. She was a sinner. She had a human father. God used her. She was highly favored, but she was not sinless. Her son died on the cross to pay for her sin as well. And that is just as biblical as right. And and boy, sometimes you get religions that get going goofy and we're praying to saints and we're praying to Mary and that is not biblical. And notice what Jesus said. Did he say, yeah, I love my mom too. Boy, you want to continue praying with her? No. It's not what he said. Here's what he said. This lady just cries out in the middle of his message and says, blessed is the girl that gave you birth and birthed you and nursed you. And he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. He said, you know who's blessed? People who hear what the Bible says and do it. When it comes to Bible truth, do the Nike thing. Just do it. Just do what the Bible tells you to do. Obey the scriptures. 
He said, you want to find someone blessed? Don't, don't, don't bring a huge blessing. Don't start praying to my mama. Don't give worship to Mary. No. Find out what God wants you to do and obey the Bible. God says, I put towards you a blessing and a cursing. I don't know anybody would pick a cursing. But there's a blessing if you obey. There's a curse if you decide to do your own thing away from the Lord. Let's continue in the passage of Scripture, can we? The Bible says, verse 29, and when the people were gathered thick together, it means they really began to come around him, and there was just large crowds. He began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign. They want another miracle. They want some more miracles, even though they've been given all. And, there's, and they shall have no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet. And Jonas was assigned to the Ninevites, and so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. Then he's going to talk about this. He said, do you want a sign? Let me, just, let me give you a sign. The sign is, remember Jonah? He went to the Ninevites, but before he went there, he was three days and three nights where? In the belly of the fish. And then God brought him back and he preached. He says, that would be a sign. I'm going to be three days. He tells him another past scripture. I'll be three days and three nights in the, in the earth and I'll come back. He said, this is a wicked generation. I think one of the wickedest generations that ever lived. And we live in a wicked generation, and it's going to get more wicked. I don't think the, the more wicked generation is going to be probably the one who's going to accept the Antichrist. However, there will probably be not a worse time of a generation in this world than whenever Jesus came. All the imps of hell came against him. It was a paramount time of history. Of course, God started time all over again. He wants you to know who his son is. And he started even the calendar all over again. What happened with one day on the hillside outside of Jerusalem changed all the calendars of time. It's beautiful. But it was a wicked generation. And the darker the night, the brighter the light came. He said, you guys want a sign? Think about Jonah. He said, number two, think about the Queen of Sheba, a Gentile lady who left her area and came to see Solomon. And just to observe comment, he said, a greater than Solomon is here. Who's greater than Solomon? Jesus. Look at the next verse, if you would, please. We, we skipped over verse number 31, but behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Verse 32. And the men of Nineveh, sh Nineveh shall rise up in judgment against this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. No man. When he hath led a candle, putteth it in the secret place, neither under the bushel, but on a candlestick, that they may come in and see the light. Just real quickly, he uses three illustrations. One, Jonah, in the belly of the well, three days, three nights, and come back. Two, the queen of Sheba, came to worship Solomon, the greater than Solomon is here. And then he said, Nineveh. Nineveh, a very wicked city that had hundreds and thousands of people that didn't know the right hand from the left. They're too, they're too young to even know right hand, left hand. Many, many people in this wicked city. And yet, Jonah, a frustrated, aggravated, disobedient prophet, all he gave is a negative message. Repent, God's going to destroy you. That's kind of all he said. And the people repented and came to the Lord. He said, this generation, you have the Son of God standing right in front of you, and you will not receive him. And he said, when a light comes, you don't put it under a bed or under a bushel. You get it up. And, I, and I'm the light of the world. I'm trying to draw you, but you can't see it because your whole body is full of darkness. He said, if your eye, what you, what you think, you know, if you want to find problems, you'll find them. If you want to find something to praise the Lord for, you can find it. A lot of our perspectives in life are not what's happened around us, but what's happened on the inside of us. And here they had God's son living among them and they rejected him. 
And those of us in this room who have accepted Jesus Christ, we need a checkup of the reality of Jesus and what he's doing in this world. You know, you think, oh, this world's... And many of you, we got to stop watching the news (laughs) because it messes with you. You can't even think straight. You're mad at the world and you're forgetting what God is doing. You're forgetting what's going on in the spiritual realm because you're so caught up in what's going on in the political realm. And if you want to find something, if your eye, if you, you can't see things right, it's because you and me, not because of what's going on around us. And here Jesus was right in the middle, and they're saying, give us a sign, give us a sign, give us a sign. Show us you're really Messiah. He, he said, you couldn't get a light, light enough. You've covered me by work. You've covered me by economics. You've covered me by leisure. That's why he said, put under a bed, leisure. Put it under a bushel, work. So many people, they're, they, they're, they're too, you work too much to give God your Wednesday nights. You're, you're too, you're too, you're, now you'll, you'll take weeks of vacation and do whatever you want to do, and every other night of the week we'll play this game and this softball, and we'll take the kids here and do this and all the things we do. But when it comes to God, we're not interested in that. We've covered Him with work. We've covered Him with leisure and, and responsibilities. He said, I'm in among you, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be separated from you. He said, but a lot of it is how you use your perspective. And boy, that's my problem too. And if I don't see things right and you don't see things right, and by the way, prayer is a key to vision, to see things right and then passion, to do things right. We need a revival of people that can see the right way and have passion to do the things the right way that God wants us to do. The rest of the chapter, he's going to be invited to a a Pharisee's house. He has preached He's really, he's really gone in the crosshairs of what they, they, they believe. And now, one of the Pharisees bring him in. By the way, it's interesting that Jesus was accused by eating with sinners and publicans. And he took their offer. He was, he was invited by a Pharisee and he took his offer. But the Pharisees wanted just to continue to find a way that when he would talk, he would say something that, that would trip him up. Look at the last two verses of this chapter, would you please? Verse number 53. And he said these things unto them, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently to provoke him to speak of things, laying in wait for him, seeking to catch him, catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. So they're not interested in learning. They're interested in finding out something negative about him and how they can use that to entrap him and accuse him and ultimately to crucify him. Well, the the Pharisees come and they invite him to his house. And you can read the scripture later, but what happens, there was a certain way that Pharisees washed their hands before they ate. and And they had made up so many different rules that was cumbersome. People like, I can't even do this. But you had to wash your ways this minute. You had to hold your hands up. You had to have your water drip off your elbows. And then do, it was all kinds of different ceremonial ways. And Jesus went, washed his hands, sat down to eat. And everyone was like, oh, I can't believe it. He didn't wash his hands the way we wash our hands. And, and it was in their face of their ceremonial pharisaical. And then the Lord Jesus comes to him. He says, look, you guys are all about the outside. Your cup is is clean on the outside, but inside it's nasty. You're you're outside, you're fine, but inside you're like ravenous wolves. Boy, how do you think they like that? Oh, they didn't like that. That really got all over them. 
He said, you're all concerned if I, if I do my hand washing just the way you want me to do it. And you have you come to the meal with your clean hands and all your, you pat your little hands and do all the things and you show everybody how clean you are, but you don't care about your heart. Your heart's not right. Boy, sometimes in Christianity we're that way. We all, we have all the phylacteries. We've got the positions, we've got the opportunities, but our heart is not right with the Lord. We're right on the outside. Everybody thinks we've got it all going on. But on the inside, we know, and God knows. And boy, Jesus called them out in this situation. You can see the next one. I'm going to hasten just to finish this chapter. Would you look, if we'd please, at verse number 44, 43. I'm sorry, 42. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye do tithe of the mint and the rue and all manners of herbs and pass over judgment of the love of God. These you ought to have done, but not to leave the others undone. He says, look, you guys are so specific, and you tithe off how many mint leaves you take out of your garden and put in your tea. And you know you took out so many, so you do that. And you tithe off this thing and that thing and that thing. And these things you ought to do. But sometimes you do that at the expense of the love of God and making good decisions with other brothers and sisters. He says, I'm not going to take that. God would say, I want obedience rather than sacrifice. He goes on to tell them, next verse, verse number 43, Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the utmost seats in the synagogue and greetings in the markets. They would, have, they would sit here, and of course we have men sit on the platform. Each of them have a function at each service. But the Pharisees love to sit in the front of the, of the pulpit so people could see them, and they are higher up, and they just keep going, and if someone died, the next man up, and oh, this guy is really growing. Saul was eat up with that before he became the Apostle Paul and got saved. He said, you love to have the position. You love to have the admonition and the, the commendation of men. He said, you, you, you love those positions. Look at the next verse. The Bible says in 40, 44, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for the graves that appear not and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. He said, it's just you're going to be in the grave and people are going to walk over you and it's not even going to matter. You're all concerned about how people looked at you and in 15 years, no one will even go by and, and, and take care of your gravesite. They'll walk over you, play over you with a football. Won't even be a matter. Verse number 45, and he answered one of the lawyers and said unto them, Master, thus saying, he reproaches us also. You got something to say to us too? Those of us, not lawyers like those who practice, but those who are Mosaic law, and they do that. He said, woe unto you lawyers, for ye laid men with the burdens of grievous to be born, but your yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. He said, you're giving all these rules to people. You've got to do this and this and this, and you can't even keep the rules yourself. Woe unto you, for ye build sepulchers, and the prophets of your fathers, you killed them. And it talks about what is going on with that. Verse number 52, woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge, and ye entered not yourselves. And them that were entering in, what did you do? Ye hindered them. Jesus gives quite an indictment upon people. And he's reminding us that we want to be right on the outside, but we also want to be right on the inside. We don't want to be a reason to push people away from Christ. We want to be actively working to bring people to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that through our attitude, our actions, our purity, our motives. May God help us. Let's pray together. Can we please? Lord, thank